1: College athletics is in a complete upheaval and it might not be slowing down anytime soon with conference realignment, even though we thought it might be slowing down as this football season approaches this upcoming fall. Hello, I'm Brendan Marcello. You're listening to the College Football Daily. It is Wednesday, March 1st. So the ACC has been relatively quiet amidst all this conference realignment with USC and UCLA pending departures from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Meanwhile, Texas and Oklahoma are about to leave the Big 12 early to jump to the SEC. Meanwhile, the future of the ACC is not necessarily in question, but the question is, is how strong is the ACC moving forward? And you've got some schools, including Florida State, which is a blue blood, wondering how they fit in the picture not just in the ACC, but potentially elsewhere. To make better sense of what the future of the ACC, and for that matter, college athletics, holds, we bring in Chris Knee with Knowles 24-7 to discuss the latest happenings in Tallahassee, and really uh, a domino that could end up being a gigantic one if some of these shots being fired might prove true or if it's just a lot of smoke in the air. So, Chris... Take us back to last week. This is really nothing new for those who may have been paying attention to Florida State as far as just the the public discussion discourse from Athletics Director Michael Alford, who has made it known they're not quite happy with the payout structure right now with the ACC. It's an equal revenue distribution, like it is for most Power 5 conferences, but Clemson and Florida State have made it known to the conference office. We want our share of what we're worth. And Florida State's commissioned its own research to look into that. And what they believe is that instead of receiving about 7%, they're worth 15% of the revenue there in the ACC because of the TV ratings it brings in. So Chris, I say all that to say this, why is Florida State going out and being so public with this in a public format like they did last week in front of their board of trustees and discussing the future
0: well set the stage michael alfred spoke to the board of trustees on friday he presented tv revenue numbers as you referenced he the numbers mostly centered around 2014 to 2022 so it was a healthy barometer of time including time where fsu's been fairly good and also time where they've been fairly awful from a football standpoint and we all know football is about 80 20 of the tv pie the other 20 is basketball so why is FSU doing this and why are they being so public with it? I would say because they understand that the time might be now. It, it, as you mentioned, it's an interesting time in college athletics as far as realignment being on the front burner once again. And, uh, you know, the Pac-12 situation that's coming up here with them needing to get a TV deal resolved here in the next, probably, what, six to eight weeks, mostly, yes. you know, by May 1st. That That's a huge domino. If that league was to dissolve, and those teams become essentially free agents. The rush to super conferences, which is ultimately what the SEC and the Big Ten are pacing towards, could accelerate drastically. And I think FSU, not only with what they spoke about Friday, but what they've really done since Michael Alford became the VP and AD and the best AD FSU has had in a couple of decades now, is they want to present themselves as attainable to some degree, but also prepared to be really good, and that they have a great deal of value. As you mentioned, they are blue blood. The brand value is very good for Florida State. When they're good or they're bad, they draw TV viewers. I believe the number was 17 games in that span where they had 4 million or more viewers. That's a benchmark number. It's by far the most in the ACC. Them and Clemson outpace the entire league drastically. And the numbers he presented was not solely from a viewpoint of FSU. He, he pointed out that FSU and Clemson, who I think are very much in lockstep in these discussions, are both great values. They represent a quarter of the entire value of the ACC, but they're getting the same 7% as Duke, who's at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to TV production and football especially. So why is FSU doing this? I want—I think they want the ACC to be uncomfortable. They want them to understand that they believe they do have a value. Now, do I believe unequal revenue sharing, something that FSU and Clemson did bring up in winter meetings recently with the ACC, is something that's going to happen? More than likely not. I don't envision other schools saying, hey, cool, yeah, take more of our money and we get That's just kind of, you know, a lunatic idea to think of. But could there be a unilateral decision at the top of the conference? Maybe. I still think it's far-fetched. I think the understanding is that FSU and others like them, like Clemson, who are interested parties for other conferences as expansion is a topic of discussion, I think they want those conferences to know that, yes, we're interested in going to you. I think they also want the ACC to know that, we're not particularly happy with the situation we're in here. And the biggest issue is FSU and everybody else in the ACC is technically, from a contractual standpoint, locked in till 2036 because of the grant of rights, which was a 20-year deal essentially back in 2013 and then 17 when the ACC network came about that locks them in. For some other details of the Board of Trustees meeting, a member of the board asked, Alford the cost to leave the ACC solely to pay an exit fee from the ACC, and he used representation legal representation for FSU to answer that, and it's roughly 130 million. It's I believe it's three years times 42 million currently, so 126. But that is solely to leave the conference. That's what they pay the conference. That does not involve the grant of rights. And I think there are some people that fail to understand those are two separate things. The grant of rights, which has been pretty heavily guarded by ESPN and the Greensboro office alike. You know, most people estimate it's roughly, you know, 400 to 500 million, possibly to have to leave as of today because you're having to pay for the next. 12, 13 years. And well, other people are like, well, you just leave and you fight it legally. Yes, you could do that. But if you lose, they own your media rights. So you can go into a league and make, you know, the 72 million or the 80 million of the SEC or the Big Ten estimates or even the Big 12 estimates, what, 50 million? You could potentially make that. But at the end of the day, you don't own your media rights if you can't win that legal battle. So I think FSU wants to put public pressure out there. But at the same time, it's it's so many moving parts and so many pieces, where it's not as easily said as done.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's. There's a lot of moving parts, as you said, and as you mentioned, there, it also gets complicated because ESPN, going forward, owns all TV rights for the SEC. It owns all ACC rights for the most part, and they own both the ACC network and the SEC network. And so ESPN would have to get involved there at some point because if Florida State were to say, "Hey, we're going to the SEC, we're gonna." this in court or we'll even pay it out, it becomes an issue of, well, the ACC's going, okay, so we're losing this team. ESPN, continue to pay us what you, we've been guaranteed in the contract. And then ESPN might say, no, one of your big programs has gone and gone to the SEC. And then meanwhile, the ACC has the Florida state rights and they're giving up the money that they're getting from the SEC in part back to the ACC, potentially if they were to lose that lawsuit, if that were to even go to court, then you got to consider The others in this in this fray, what does Clemson do? What do the other schools in the ACC do? And with this grant of rights, as you mentioned, heavily guarded—not necessarily a secret, but heavily guarded. There's all these words out there and rumors that the only way to access it is if you go to the conference office and actually sit yeah, down and look at it. Yeah, they won't send copies out. Yeah. They won't send copies out. Lawyers have been going in and out of there to look it over over the last year at several ACC schools. And not to mention a lot of this, uh, the grant of rights money, the estimates out there are just estimates. You've seen those numbers very wildly, but they're very expensive. And I think for people to look at comparison's sake here, look at OU and Texas here recently. They didn't want to leave the big 12 early because they were looking at just a, about $120 million buyout themselves. And then they decide, okay, instead of leaving two years early, we'll leave a year early and pay $50 million. And even that was kind of a push to get that done. We're talking about 10 times as much for one school for Florida state, but there are workarounds, right, Chris? And that say you get enough Programs in the ACC in the long run over a several year period go hey we're leaving the ACC some of us are going the Big Twelve some of us are going to you know the Big Ten maybe even the American Conference if over half the conference leaves the conference teams leave the ACC then that grant of rights dissolves and they owe yeah. nothing to the ACC but that is the doomsday scenario. You got to have right. landing spots at the same time, right? You know, F- F- FSU and Clemson certainly would. But right here, it does seem like that. Obviously, athletic administrations at Florida State, Clemson, and other schools, including in the Pac-12, they're preparing for the doomsday scenarios because they believe that it is more possible now than it was even two years ago.
0: There's no doubt about that. FSU. F- 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 under the guidance that they have post-pandemic, wanted to get their books right. They've done a good job of that. They wanted to fix football. They've done a good job of that. They wanted to be most suitable school, humanly possible when other Conferences came calling, and they've worked very hard to do that. Updating facilities, getting NIL in order. You know, As we talked about, football has drastically improved around these parts. They wanted to be prepared for it. They've also gone out of their way to make sure people understand their brand value, whether it's TV numbers, ticket sales. Them and OU had the bowl game, which was packed out down there in Orlando. They've had some marquee games like the LSU kickoff games last year and this coming year. Those are both packed out games. It's just further examples of FSU pushing that, hey, we... No matter where we are, fans support us and people are interested in us. Whether it's they love them or they hate them, people are going to watch. And nobody cares if it's love or hate as long as you're watching. They want that TV viewership number, ad revenue, and everything that comes with it. FSU has done a very good job of putting themselves in the right spot. They've also been public with that, which I think is full intent of making the ACC wholeheartedly uncomfortable while also making sure that the Big Ten and the SEC know what they could potentially obtain down the road. Now, the, the question is, how soon can that end come? You know, the grant of rights is 2036, as we've talked about a legal battle. I, I'm no lawyer, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what it can be. I just know that schools, I think, are generally sort of scared of getting into a legal battle, or I think it would already happened at this point with some of the right. schools wanting to do it. Can the ACC membership, can eight members decide they can depart? That number's interesting. I think there's a handful that definitely could right now. But the issue is getting to eight and those eight having a place to go. FSU and Clemson, without a doubt, would have a place to go. UNC, if they decide to go, would have a place to go. Their traditional blue blood, very good basketball, enough football support to matter. Louisville probably falls into that category. There's a couple others. Getting to eight, though, is a tough number. The big domino, and something we referenced at the beginning of this, is I think the Pac-12. If that yeah. happens, it just speeds everything up. And I think people go scurrying a little quicker, and you know, we're going to race to 20 or 24, whatever the ultimate number of the SEC in the Big Ten is going to be at the end of days. We're going to race towards that number much faster than kind of the slow burn pulling to here, pulling to there that we've seen to this point in time. Now the question is when that happens due to TV networks who hold a great deal of power in all of this discussion, do they decide that it's more beneficial to them to go ahead and do this and sit back down at the table and figure out the future of the ACC, uh the future of the remaining Pac-12 members if that's going away, how they move pieces around to make the things they want to make as valuable as human, um, humanly possible while also having other things to fill the 24 hours that they have to fill with football and other athletics. That that's a big wild card in all of this and we'll see if we get there and how it kind of goes. The Pac-12 ultimately kind of holds all that power whether or not a deal gets done probably yeah. by May or June at the latest.
1: More on the future of the ACC with Chris Knee after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. The Pac-12 for as little power as it seems it has right now is actually the, it has all the power in maybe making all this chaos begin. Because as you said, they've been trying to get a reworked contract with ESPN. That's kind of failed. They've even talked to Fox, all all the power brokers out there. And a few months ago, they could have signed a better deal. And yet the big 12 got out ahead of them and got a deal. And now the Pac-12 is in all Estimates and from talking to people in the industry is that they are almost desperate. Mm -hmm. Now, reports coming out that it's potential that they might sign an all streaming deal with Apple TV which is not what you want as a conference member, especially the top conference members in the Pac-12, because again, you want eyeballs. And yes, streaming is popular. The fact of the matter is linear television is still where people go to watch live sports. And for that matter, think of it this way. Folks in bars and sports bars across America aren't going, hey, turn on the Apple TV app and go over to the Pac-12 game of the week. No, they're just flipping the TV on, Direct TV, whatever they got, and whatever game is on is on. That's not going to be able to be something they can sell to these schools, especially the top tier programs. And again, as you mentioned, I think the month of April is paramount in all of this when we start hearing what the Pac-12 television deal could look like. And that's when these other programs, in particular, Oregon and Washington, will start letting it be known, their feelings of how they, they see all this. Because again, no secret about it. The boosters there, the big-time pl- power players, they want in the Big Ten. But the other issue, so many moving parts, the Big Ten has a vacuum of leadership right now. Kevin Warren, the commissioner, is going to the Chicago Bears to run the Chicago Bears. He has been spearheading this complete conference realignment across the country with USC and UCLA leaving the PAC 12. And my understanding is the presidents and chancellors there in the big 10 for the most part, don't want to expand further. And now that they have a commissioner out and they're hiring the commissioner themselves, they're going to want to get a commissioner who's in line with their thinking. So do they bring in a commissioner there? that's like, yeah, we don't want to expand further. Or do they bring in a commissioner who says all the right things and then does his own thing, much like Kevin Warren did in getting USC and UCLA? But again, I think the big point is what you made. This, I say all that to say this: Ike will know pretty soon after the Pac-12's television deal is situated whether we start seeing some serious movement potentially elsewhere, as you mentioned the ACC, the Big Twelve figures to be the conference that benefits the most out of this as a conference, potentially, because they will just pick from the bones yeah. what's left in the Pac-12, the, and potentially the, the ACC if others start moving.
0: The Big 12, for lack of a better term, is a soft landing spot. Yep, like it, It's the one where it, it's not as sexy as the other two, but it's still good money, good teams, plenty of viewership. Yeah, it's amazing how they position themselves. Another thing Alfred mentioned when he spoke on this is, as we've mentioned, the ACC deal goes to 2036. Every other deal for every other conference comes back for yeah. renegotiation before that. So these new deals for SEC, Big Ten, the current Big 12, and probably the Pac-12 when it ultimately is settled, will all be renegotiated at least one more time before the ACC renegotiates. So yeah, the whole lap, the current gap is $30 million and it's only going to grow.
1: It'll grow from there and you're exactly right. And even the Pac 12, the word is right now that whatever deal they get situated here in the next couple months will most likely be a short term deal at this point. Mm-hmm. So they will likely have another window to renegotiate or start or go even go to open market, as you said, before the ACC even goes back. So again, and the ACC Smartly on their part with this grant of rights, back with the whole Maryland fiasco and leaving the conference. After that happened, that's when all these, this grant of rights, this long deal came into place. So, all right, I say all this. I wonder, let's say like push comes to shove. Florida State's just not happy with what the ACC is talking about. Is there a way that Florida State can just say, we're looking at the next 20, 30 years? We are willing, yeah, we we'll might go to court and battle this, but if push comes to shove, we will pay half a billion dollars to get out. Can they do that? Today, I don't think they probably could.
0: A couple years down the road, and that number will diminish slightly, but not drastically. I I think they would position themselves to do so. I'm not going to say never say never with them because I think they understand that long-term it's about making as much money as humanly possible. Football is king. I think the pandemic taught every school in the country that, that has a good football program of it drives the ship. You know, I don't want to get into a side discussion of student athletes and pay and NIL and ultimately possibly amateurism going away and them becoming employees. But football is going to drive that financial bus. And I think FSU understands that better than most. And they want to be well positioned to be a successful program long term that, you know, good, bad or ugly over the last decade. they're still one the top 10, 15 programs as far as attractiveness to the nation, as far as viewership and all of the things that comes with that. They want to live that lifestyle. And you can't live that lifestyle in the ACC. So I think they understand that if things don't change around the neighborhood they're in, they're going to have to move. And it's going to take whatever means necessary. I just don't think it's going to happen overnight. Burning, you know, TV coming to the table and renegotiating because of a drastic shift in all of everything that we've talked about here, especially Pac-12 in the coming months. I don't think it happens in the short term. I think it's more of a long term play. But I think they're certainly positioning them- themselves to ultimately move. I don't want to speak wholeheartedly for them. I don't think they have any interest in being in this league
1: when that contract ends. And I don't think they want to be in that league as a contract's still going on. And, and hey, listen, and there's been murmurs the last couple of years, as you know, Chris, of Florida State through intermediaries speaking to the SEC, just feeling things out, seeing. I mean, and anybody smart enough would do that anyway in the background. And when you when you look at the future of the ACC, it's just well, you can't be static in an ever-changing landscape. And that's kind of where they're at right now. And you mentioned at some point, especially with the Johnson case going on right now in Washington, that is going to show us the way here of whether players will end up being paid by the universities themselves, where they are no longer student athletes, they're student athlete employees and ADs administrators across the country. I could tell you as less five years, five years ago, four years ago, four or five years ago, some ADs around the country were already preparing for that just in case. And this is before yeah. NIL and everything and trying to get their finances situated there because at some point they felt the rumblings that they would remember. Remember when stipends was a big controversial subject? We were talking about that a lot, like whether that's going to happen and they end up doing that. Back then is when they started realizing, okay, we've opened Pandora's box this is the first step where it's going to get to that point And we got to figure out our finances to, to get yeah, in that it's, it's
0: the Trojan horse of college. Athletes. Yes. It's, it's going, football is going to be king and the cost of football is going to dramatically increase and it's going to impact every other sport you have on campus, whether you're a school with 30, like a Stanford or a school like FSU that has 19 to 20 on campus, it's going to impact them all. And the, the piggy bank has to be really full for football.
1: Yeah. And listen, there are going to be so many potential legal challenges with all this, because if you start paying players to get down this road, you start, Paying players, universities themselves, then it becomes okay. So we're having to put a rubber band around our finances. Do we need to cut some sports to afford everything? And then it becomes a Title IX issue, which is what happens if we cut women's golf? What if happens if we cut women's basketball, even at some schools? We can't afford all this. And you're talking about, well, if we cut a women's sport, we got to cut cut one or two men's sports. Does that present lawsuits with Title IX? And also, if you pay every player a same base salary, at what point does a players union form for football players and they go, we're worth more than the men's basketball team because we bring in more money revenue wise. So why are we being paid the same as them? And then that opens the whole thing and they might be taking their own university to court over that as a players union. So this, you understand folks why this college sports has always been kind of a business, but now it is a big time professional business. And the, the days of, I would say free spending, where we were just seeing all the upgraded facilities and everything that's been slowing down for the last few years. In most spots, it will slow down even further here in the near future. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of programs, including even the likes of Kansas spending a lot of money right now, as quickly as possible to get upgrades done and to renovate and to put in new facilities because on the horizon, they're preparing for the day where that money is not going to be available. They're going to be spending most of their money paying players and dealing with other issues like that. It's, it's it's the game, as much as it's changed the last two to three years since the pandemic, it, it's opened everything up and there's no going back. There's only a matter of more change in the future that will just cost more and more money. And that's why, again, Florida State, Clemson and others want to be in the best position possible. And for right now, that looks like trying to get into the SEC we're the Big Ten.
0: Yeah. And if you're not there, you're not going to be competitive as a program. That too. The finances are different. The ability to recruit. There's going to be a tier system to recruiting if all those conference dynamics change and everything in the landscape changes. Schools that are making $80 million versus schools that are making $40 million, It's simple math. It, it's going to be the school with $80 million that's going to be able to be the more competitive one in the market.
1: A lot of this is like hypothetical, right, everybody? So it might sound like we're talking extremes right now, and maybe we are, but there's also the other side of it where you say nothing changes, but that's just not going to be the case. So somewhere in the middle, at the very least, is what this is all going to look like, and that means there will be more movement. And again, Florida State is rattling the trees right now, and so is Clemson. For good reason and this is nothing new and these next couple of months could be very important as we start maybe seeing the first dominoes fall out west and that could affect everybody across the country
0: I was going to say one last comment on why I think Alfred did it. I think he did it so other ADs and other chancellors and other VPs and other presidents in this league and the ACC get asked the question. I think he kind of wants a line in the sand, for lack of a better term. And we saw Clemson's Graham Neff speak about the subject. I, I think there's some of that going on where you want to see you're taking a straw poll right now. You're seeing who's kind of. You know, thinking
1: similar to you, and who's you know standing with the company line. Yeah, and you'll, you're you're going to have some people as well, like a Miami going, we're worth as much as them, and you're going to have that. In fact, I was hearing that back in spring meetings last year. There was some talk about this une- unequal revenue sharing potential, mm-hmm. and it certainly sounds like Commissioner Jim Phillips, even going back to uh, kickoff. ACC kickoff media days back in July was very much open to this because he's a man who sees what the future holds for his conference and I mean listen there's a lot of upset people and you got to keep the big dogs fed otherwise they're going to start eating up everybody else at the conference and Wake Forest as much as I love watching the, the slow mesh offense and everything they're not Florida State and they can't run with the big dogs when they're talking about all this so fascinating discussion Chris and again I appreciate you joining us and talking about this one last question Where is Florida State playing football in five years? 2028, the fall of 2028. Where are they?
0: I have long believed that if FSU left the ACC, they'd end up in the Big Ten. (laughs) Why is that? Well, I think the market, and I know you know the old ACC growth plan of TVs and market that's kind of died to some degree as streaming and things have happened. But still, obviously the SEC is in Florida with the Gators. I think Florida State would be appealing to the Big Ten. I think FSU getting their academics in better order, top twenty public university now. I think that helps. They're not AAU school, and that's usually been a sticking point for the big 10 but i think we've gravitated a little bit away from that in this discussion because as you expand there's only so many that offer that and the the
1: likes of nebraska have been teetering Mm -hmm. on that type of yeah so go ahead yeah
0: And I think you're going to see a pod system in the growth of these leagues. I think you're going to have schools in the South, East, West, you know, every piece. So you're going to have pods. So I think FSU allows the Big Ten to have a little bit more of a regional pod. And they're a centerpiece of that pod. And I think it would be appealing to them. So I've just personal opinion on that. It's always been that I thought the Big Ten seemed like the more likely destination in the SEC. Currently, that would actually mean a little bit more money in comparison of the two. But it's not drastic. I think that money difference really probably doesn't matter when you account for travel and those kind of
1: things too. Comparatively, comparing to two weeks. Okay, I'm only for it if Notre Dame gets to join the Big Ten too. If they decide to join the Big Ten,
0: I think it's safe to say that's always seemed like a likely destination for the Irish, and yeah. they're a no wild card in this whole discussion too. And you know, I think last year, uh, I forget which member or hierarchy it was, but he spoke up a bit about their affair with the ACC and where things stood. And I thought he was planting some seeds, but it seemed to calm down there in South Bend as far as I'm talking about that quite as much. But I'm interested if maybe that ramps back up going into you know June, July, August, the, the pre-kickoff season, as we like
1: to call it. Yeah, yeah Jack Schwarbrick, who's very much involved in college football playoff and all that, has been very pu- public in saying, hey, listen, we're okay with being independent. We may not need a conference, but we have to be open to that. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you have the ACC with Jim Phillips saying, Hey, we got a great relationship with Notre Dame. We, <laughs> yeah. That would be a smooth transition. I mean, he just straight up just said that. Meanwhile, you got Notre Dame sitting there going, it's, it's, it's great to be loved, but you got people in the background there going, we would like to be independent, but if we're going to go somewhere, it's going to be the Big Ten. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, it felt like <laughs> a really nice dinner date where they got up to go to bathroom, but they
1: were actually <laughs> on the phone with somebody else. You're exactly right. All right. Chris Knee, Knowles 24-7. Thanks for joining us on the College Football Daily. For our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Brennan Marcello. What a fascinating discussion as we see the college landscape continue to shift as maybe we're not done with conference alignment. We'll see you down the road.